Hello and welcome to the Dot Ball Podcast, where we talk all things South African cricket. Uh, we like to focus uh, quite a lot on the domestic game, but obviously there's not a whole lot going on there at the moment in uh, midwinter and uh, a pretty cold bit of winter we've had in South Africa lately. Uh, but obviously the Proteas have been busy and we'll be chatting about them uh, quite extensively uh, in this episode. I'm delighted to be joined by former Proteas all-rounder John Kent, who is sitting in lovely, warm, subtropical Durban, and uh, former Proteas spinner and uh, stalwart of the side that went to number one in the test rankings, Paul Harris. And a big welcome back to our stats guru, the oracle himself, Andrew Sampson, who's with us. Uh, welcome to all of you gentlemen. So, guys, uh, Ireland uh, was a nice uh, short and sharp tour, I guess, uh, for the Proteas. And uh, the ODIs were first. Sadly, South Africa lost the second ODI. The first one was washed out, which uh, is 10 valuable uh, qualifying points wasted for the next World Cup. But uh, they did rebound to draw that series. Uh, how would you guys review uh, South Africa's ODI performance and uh, just the individual guys who were involved in that? Uh, look, obviously, I thought uh, it was a bit of a mixed bag. Um, obviously, that first game not going according to plan. Um, you know, after, you know, probably should have won the first game, even though they got maybe 20, 30 too many. Um, uh, you know, I thought that, that uh, obviously one of the huge positives was watching uh, young Milan bat. Um, although in that first game, admittedly so, uh, personally, he said he should have maybe taken us through. Uh, which he did in the second one. So um, great, great to see him learning from that experience and getting a big hundred um, in that what was effectively the third game, the second one played. Uh, I think hugely positive uh, seeing a youngster like him come through and uh, giving a few selection headaches. So he's a, obviously a very talented young guy. I'd like to see him uh, uh, again spin a bit more. I think there's maybe a sort of slight deficiency there against spin, but in general, he's got a really good game. And uh, um, great to see. And um, you know, obviously not a great result uh, losing those 10 points. But if you don't take uh, you know, Ireland seriously, it shows you that any, any team can beat any team if you don't uh, take, take the game seriously. And you know, maybe the Proteas were just a little bit lax in that, uh, in that first game. They certainly got a wake-up call. Because in the second one, they were superb. Um, but yeah, as you said, uh, 10 points wasted. But I think lesson learned. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Yanaman Milan. And... Uh, Andrew, I believe there was a, a very interesting statistic that uh, came out of the ODIs featuring Yanaman Milan. Yeah, well, he's got a, um, a pretty good record in his brief ODI career so far. And after six innings, he has 483 runs at an average of uh, just 120.75, uh, which is the most anyone's made in their first six innings in ODIs, beating uh, Inzema Mulhak who held the record previously with 406. So 483 is a pretty good record for a bloke who was dismissed by the first ball of the first ODI he played as well. <laughs> oh, my word. Yeah, forgot about that. <laughs> Jeepers. <laughs> that's, that's... Nearly 48 in first-class cricket and mm -hmm. over 50 now in list A one-day games. There's a strike rate of 135 in G20s. Um, it seems to me he should have probably already played quite a lot more for South Africa than he, than he has so far. Hmm. So he's basically scored 483 runs in, in five innings, uh, which is phenomenal. Uh, what's his ODI strike strike rate, uh, Andrew? Cause uh, he, 94. Yeah, so he, it, that's totally acceptable, isn't it? That's a, yep. a good figure, John Kent. Yeah, it's uh, like uh, Paul said, I think he, it was valuable that he, he, he learned his lesson. 
um, and, and he went big in that in that second innings he got in that series. And um, yeah, you talk about getting opportunity. I think I suppose we we spoke last time uh, on air about this about the sort of the backlog or not a backlog, but a lot of options that can be used in ODR and T20 cricket. But at the moment, Milan and De Kock are the ODR starting sort of lineup. I think the T20s are a little bit different where. The likes of Hendricks comes in, Markram comes in, as well as Bavuma. So I think that, I suppose, is maybe another talking point for when we get to the T20s. Hmm. Yeah, there certainly is a, a, a wealth of riches in terms of uh, top-order batsmen. Temba Bavuma, Quinton de Kock, Yanaman Mulan, Aiden Markram, Riza Hendricks, and uh, all of them have made some sort of runs uh, at some stage uh, of the tour. Um, what do you guys think about the potential um, way to ease that logjam a bit, which is, uh, which I quite like, is Aidan Markram maybe slipping down the order a bit, uh, batting in the middle order, um, and fulfilling more of a finishing role. Yeah, I think you could do that. Um, I think uh, you know, I think you're quite blessed with uh, with Aidan. I think you can sort of bat anywhere in that top sort of four, you know, from one to sort of five. Um, you know, I didn't think you would want to get him too late. He's a, one of those guys that can change a game. So, you know, you don't want to get him too down, too far down the order, but certainly he can fulfill that sort of number four or five role. Um, if you need some, someone, you know, I think that, he, let's put it this way, I think he probably fulfilled that four or five role better than, for example, Yanomar Milan. I think he's used to open the batting. He's got a good yeah. game plan batting there. Um, you know, he takes on the power play, which is what you want. Um, you know, and he's just got a good, good uh, sort of young, aggressive mindset. Um, I really like the way he plays his game. I like, and I mentioned before, how quickly he learned. I think he was hugely disappointed in that second game that he didn't see the side through um, and then and learned his lesson. You know, that's all you can ask for from a young guy. You know, you give him an opportunity. Um, young guys are going to make mistakes from time to time. And you want to see how someone bounces back from it. And uh, he bounced back beautifully. And, uh, you know, I think it's a great position for Mark Barsha to be in with the batting. Not so long ago, we were saying, sure, you know, where's our next batter going to come from? Uh, you know, we were a bit worried about our batting. And now all of a sudden, you know, we've got a sort of plethora of uh, top-order batters and we're trying to, you know, sort of uh, fit them all in, which is a great position to be in. Yeah, John, uh, do, do you feel Markram's got the uh, the game to, to bat down there 4-5? Um, uh, and obviously, it was great to see David Miller uh, come back to form towards, uh, well, in the in the T20s as well. Yeah, I think, uh, as Paul says, I, I wouldn't like to see uh, Markram lower than lower than four. I think that's where you can do some damage and get the best out of him. I think the, the Miller, uh, in terms of where he bats, I, I wouldn't even mind him coming to five as an option. Um, we talked about maybe uh, if he comes in a bit sooner, there might be a lack of sort of hitters down the order. We talked about Morris, Linda, those guys coming in. Um, but I, I'm, I'm happy for, for Miller to come in a touch earlier. Um, and, and Paul said before as well, Milan, he has to open, to be fair. Um, not Other areas aren't really suited to him and his game. I think the the power play against you know Ireland in that, in that last T20, we were very conservative. Um, obviously, it gave us a steady start. Naturally, that's, that's okay. Um, but obviously, against some of the bigger teams, you really need to take on those power plays and, and try and do some damage early on. You can't go at sort of six and over. In the first six, um, you know, that's just not going to be good enough against those better teams. Um, but I think, yeah, uh, Markham is we're very fortunate with him. He's, he can do the job wherever. I think whether we 
you know, Bavuma goes at opening with Dukak or at three, you know, I think we're going to have to start refining that. We're going to, you know, Sri Lanka in a couple of weeks and it'll be interesting to see which way the, you know, the selection panel goes with that, that top three, um, I think, which is the main thing we want to try and nail down, I would think. I'm glad you actually mentioned uh, David Miller. Sorry to interrupt you there, but I'm glad you mentioned Miller because I think he gets a bit of a bad rap, unfairly so. Um, if you look at his white ball record, I mean, that's next level. Um, you know, you look at his, his, his uh, I think his uh, 50 over record is, he averages over 40, he strikes at over 100. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a pretty good record. And every now and then, you know, with the type of cricket he plays, he's going to go through a little patch where he won't get runs. He's uh, sort of on the, on the, sort of on the, on the sort of between Graham, Graham Black sort of cricketer, uh, where, um, you know, he plays that sort of aggressive brand. So every now and then he's going to sort of fail for a couple of games, but, um, you know, he's a phenomenal white ball cricketer. And I think he gives South Africa the edge um, in both T20s and one day Yeah, David Miller, obviously someone who, who has a global reputation. Uh, Andrew, I'm not sure if you have Miller's uh, ODI and T20 record uh, to hand, but uh, as John and Paul have said, it's, it's certainly a quality record. And uh, I don't know if you have any sort of context for uh, just how he ranks globally and, and for the Proteus. Yeah, I mean, as, as everyone said, he has got a very good record in uh, white ball games. Um, it's a bit difficult uh, betting at number six. I think if you're a number six in a, in a 2020 game, it's kind of the most pointless role, especially it's number mm. six, especially it's almost a almost pointless role at times because you often don't get to bat or you only face 10 balls or so. Um, so, so it, you know, you sometimes might wonder why you're bothering to turn up. Um but Miller, yeah, I mean, he's in one day, as, as Paul said, uh, averaging just over 40 with a strike rate of 101. And in T20 internationals, his, stri- his strike rate's 140. So there's nothing wrong with that. Do you not think we could, uh, you know, I think we could try and back him a little bit more? And obviously there's guys like Russi, who, who's come into the side and he's filled like batting at three or four or five, wherever. He's also moved around a little bit. So we've got Markram and, and Fundadison moving around a little bit. But I, I still feel like with, you know, obviously the ABs and those, those massive guys missing, I'd love to see them try and, like like you said now, six might be too low. It's a wasted talent. And maybe we should get him up in those sort of regions where we give him that full 10 overs, bat at, say, four, and, and give ourselves the best chance. Because, yeah, if, he's, if he faces 10 balls in an innings, you want him to face, you know, 20, 30, you would surely, you know, um, to have the best opportunity for our team to win. Can uh, can Rusty van der Dussen bat five and six, though? I guess what I'm getting at is, can we afford to play Markram, Miller, and Van der Dussen uh, all in the same team? Yeah, I think uh, I think Rusty is actually, you know, he, he faces seam, he faces spin well. He's quite adaptable with his experience now. So I think he could, you know, if, if you do put Miller at, at four, you you put you could put Van der Dussen at six, and he can be. We've talked about the, the maybe a bit of a worry about our finishes. You know, that gets at a million miles really he's he, he's quite an adaptable player as, as good as many he's, he's got plenty of experience uh can he hit from the start though i think he's got the experience and he's got the you know to read the play pretty well i think he i think he'd be able to do that role if if obviously if that's required i'm you know most of the players are are willing to do whatever it takes for the team to get in and do a specific role and and he's a guy who is quite adaptable i would think 
I think the the moral of the story is, who would you rather bowl to? I mean, I know I'd rather bowl to. Uh, you know, um, you know, if, if I was an opposing captain, would I want uh, David Miller or it, mm. to take any of our top five? I mean, let's maybe take Quinton de Kock out of it because he's a genius. Uh, you know, out of besides Quinton de Kock in our top five, who would you not want to bowl the most balls to? And the answer has got to be David Miller. Yeah. Uh, if, if if Miller faces if Miller faces forty balls, I promise you, he's scoring more runs than all of them. So it's just a matter of giving him the best chance. Where is the best chance? It's a, it is a bit of a double-edged sword because if he gets out, you know, early doors and and, and doesn't uh, uh, kick on, then you might have that issue at the back end of the innings where you can't, uh, you, know, you don't have the best, uh, you know, in the world uh, to finish. I've got no doubt that Rassi can finish. We've seen him smack the ball off the ground. Would be a slight worry. Can he do it from ball one? But there aren't many players in the world who can do it from ball one. Yeah. So um, you know, you all need everyone needs a few scientists to do it. I just think, and I'm with John. I think that. You know, if you have an X-factor player like a Miller, um, you know, if, if especially if you get off to a really good start, um, you know, if you lose a couple of early doors, then maybe keep him just in case, yeah. you know, like, like we did the other day. But, I mean, if you if you get off to a 50, 60, 70, 80 start, why not send him in? Um, you know, yeah. the, the, keep, the pressure, keep the pressure on. It doesn't mean he has to go from ball one. It just gives him the ability then to soak up a bit of, you know, knock it around, face six deliveries. Um, you know, he'll be, even if he's two of six, we always know he'll catch up. And we saw the other day what he can do when, uh, you know, when he's got free reign at the back end of the innings, especially when he's in. Mm. So um, I would try and, and I think that, they, that, that, that they've been pretty good. Barchi's been pretty good and Temba's been pretty good with not being too sort of one-dimensional and everyone has to bat here. Mm. Um, so I think that there's, you know, the teams of the past might have been this person bats there and that's the end of the story. Yeah. Whereas now I think there is a bit more adaptability and why not? I mean, he's, he's that good. Yeah, that makes uh, perfect sense to me. Uh, Paul, you did touch on the uh, death bowling. Um, obviously, d- that first ODI was washed out, but there were a few uh, overs of death bowling um, to Ireland, which really weren't uh, particularly good. Um, and I guess in the third ODI, um, Ireland were you know, so out of reach of their total that um, the death bowling really wasn't put under any pressure at all. But, um, John, how, how did you find uh, the death bowling of the Proteus? Was there any improvement? Uh, because that was a bit of an issue in the West Indies. Uh, well, you, you look at some of those those 10 over allocations um, of the five bowlers. You know, everyone was over five and over. Um, Shamsi was obviously continued his good form going at 42 of one for one for 42 of his 10. So he didn't clean up wickets. Um, you know, Ireland only losing five wickets, obviously gave them a, a good platform. Balberni was excellent up front. Um, and then I'll just, yeah, it's a little bit worrying. Um, and Giddy's obviously battled a bit, a little bit to the death in the West Indies. Um, Nokia went for 64 of his 10. Pekla Kwaya, obviously, it's a bit of a worry, I think, I would think with him in terms of the all-rounder stakes. Uh, 73 of his 10, he got two wickets. Um, but, yeah, obviously... That that all rounder, the guys have talked about it, Pretorius, Peklopio. Um, obviously Alinda falls into that category. You know, that might be a bit of a worry. But Maharaj put in a good a good shift, you know, going at five and over. Um, you know, it obviously is quite a positive thing. Paul obviously I'm sure attest to this as well. Our, our spin uh depth of fourteen as well has been very impressive and, and we've got some depth and a bit of backup there if if need be. You think of Maharaj, Shamsi, Linda, Fortain, that's really some really good spin options. Um, uh, still, as we chatted last time, we'd also fancy someone like those Morrises, but it sounds like that's not going to happen. Yeah, Paul, anything uh, to add there about the, the bowling attack? 
Yeah, look, it's a very good bowling lineup. It's uh, you know, be, they get wickets, uh, they are aggressive. There's pace, there's spin, there's left arm spin, there's wrist spins. I mean, there's everything you need. Uh, is it a slight worry that every now and then they uh, the, at the death we are going? Sure, it is. Uh, it is a bit of a worry, especially in a World Cup. You have one off day, and it can it can really hurt you and can knock you out the tournament. So it is an area of concern. It's an area where they're going to have to brush up um, on. Um, it's a it's a it's a skill to be able to bowl in the back end. You've got to be able to hold your nerve. You've got to have to have, 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 to have the execution to be able to, uh, you know, bowl the right ball at the right time. Sometimes it can be a bit of a guessing game, um, you know, uh, understanding the situation, understanding where the batsman's trying to score, um, all those sort of things. Um, I, you know, I think because the game is getting played in the UAE, or well, I'm talking about T20 cricket now in the, in the World Cup, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we go in with a sort of spin-heavy team, um, especially as the tournament drags on and the, maybe the wickets are a bit sort of, weary and there's a bit more to offer um i think that there's been a strength of ours uh, which is uh, um, amazing to say as an as an ex ex spinner when you were the only one lonely guy in a squad uh, you know, there's, there's quite a few more uh, guys and they, and they really have worked hard on their games um and they and they're putting in results i mean shamsi we know world number one he's been amazing um you know i think his attitude i've seen a massive change in in, in shamsi's attitude um you know he was quite a lackadaisical sort of Take as a come sort of character when it came to training. I can assure you now that guy works incredibly hard at his game, and uh, he deserves all the sort of accolades he's getting now because he's really put the effort in, and uh, and he's bowling beautifully. And then you've got sort of the perfect foils, uh, you know, in Linda and in Maharaj, two very good left-arm spinners, um, very attacking left-arm spinners, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see two, maybe not three of those uh, um, in a starting lineup at some stage during that T20 World Cup. And we also have the fast bowlers. You know, we've got guys, uh, Nokia, we've got uh, Rabada, and even Ngidi at times can get it up to that sort of uh, 140 plus. Uh, some of the guys even stretching up to 150. So, you know, when our base is covered, um, there's a few areas, yes, where we need to work, uh, especially at the death. But I can also foresee the spinners bowling at the death. There's no reason why they can't in, uh, in, the, in those conditions. And, um, but certainly, once again, I think uh, our squad in general is uh, stacking up quite nicely. And, you know, six months ago, no one would have given us a hope. Whereas now, I think we've actually built a squad where we could have a really good chance. Yeah, hmm. yeah Tabo Shamsi, you mentioned, uh, has been absolutely magnificent, uh, both in the West Indies and uh, and in Ireland. Um, I think in terms of T20 rankings, his his points tally is the second highest of all time. I think, and he's and he's well over a hundred points clear of uh, Rashid Khan who's so highly rated uh, all over the world. Um, Andrew, I, I believe you have some uh, very interesting Shamsi tidbits. His current ranking points are 792, and uh, second place is actually Waninda Hasaranga of Sri Lanka, ah, 720. Okay. It's, um, he's mathematically 10% better than anyone else in the world in T20. Sure. Um, you know, in the West Indies, he's, he's, he went for just four runs and over across the whole series, which is way better than anyone else has ever done in a T20 international series. Uh, hmm. Previous next best was, the previous best was 4.59 um, for a series. And if you look at his combined stats over the two series in West Indies and Ireland, um, he's gone for just 4.32 runs and over and taken 14 wickets at an average of uh, just 8.64. Yeah, hmm. so his performance in the Caribbean was the, you could argue was the best ever bowling performance uh, in a T20 series, <laughs> which is quite a yeah. quite an accolade. 
That's fair enough, and it's, you know that's why he's um, increased his lead at the top of the ranking table. The Proteus' next uh, commitment is in Sri Lanka. Uh, nothing's been confirmed yet, but I believe it's going to happen uh, at the end of August. Uh, Paul Harris, uh, what changes would you make to the squad? Um, and we, we're talking T20 now because it's the, the Proteus' last T20 uh, matches before the World Cup in October. Sure. I mean, I don't think too many. I think the, the, the nucleus of the side is there. You might, uh, uh, you know, you want to look at that all-rounder spot, maybe. Uh, Dwayne would come back in, you would imagine, um, into the setup um, as a, as another all-rounder option. Um, and then uh, I think, the, the, as I said, I, I would love to have seen one. I would love to have seen Faf Dupasie there, as I mentioned before. I think it's too late now. Um, and I'm not sure that, they, that they'll be able to get that right. I wanted, I know it would give us more headaches with, the, with that top five. Yeah, one more. I would like to see one more sort of really experienced player on the side. I mean, it would nice to. Have, I would love to have had Faf there, uh, but uh, obviously not meant to be, and uh, it would have obviously given us more sort of selection headaches at the top of the order. But um, you know, just that in the World Cup, you like experienced guys, you like guys in form, which he has been over the last little while. Uh, but we've got enough uh, cover there, so I don't think I'd make too many changes. Um, I would take. Uh, um, uh, I would take three, at least three of the four spinners. Um, with me, um, even though two of them are left on spinners, I think they are those three are the best three. I'm saying Shamsi, Linda, and Maharaj, the best three spinners in the country. Um, I don't know if there's space for four in the squad, so Fortane might uh, unfortunately uh, miss out, but he might, you know, they might uh, even go uh, with uh, with a fourth one. And then obviously, you've got your seamers and your and, and your and your top five, six that have been uh, playing the last uh, the last few games. So I don't see too many changes in the in in. In the sides, I think it's more to do with conditions. I think once we get, once they get there, have a look at the conditions. You know, do you play uh, the spinning all-rounder? Do you play the um, seaming all-rounder? That's one call you'll need to make. And then the other call is, is what is your makeup of your bowlers and who bats where? Yeah, Faf Dupasi, uh, who uh, the Proteus have certainly been trying to find a way of getting him involved, uh, suffered a, a bad concussion playing in the Pakistan Super League, uh, from which he has still not recovered. Um, it's meant he hasn't been able to play yet in the 100. Um, so uh, obviously disappointing and, and time, as you suggest, Paul, running out uh, for 50 See, Dwayne Pretorius was unfortunate to have uh, a brush with COVID that uh, kept him out of the West Indies tour. Uh, and then quarantine uh, requirements and that kept him out of Ireland. So I guess only fair that he gets a chance uh, in Sri Lanka, where judging by their current series against India, uh, the pitches look like real Bunsen burners. Uh, John Kent, your views on that and uh, any changes to the T20 squad that you would make for Sri Lanka? Yeah, I think uh, I, I don't think there are many changes to make at this late stage you know you talk of maybe variation obviously Buren Hendricks is in there as a left arm fast bowling option um, you know there's clearly you know back up for our all our three uh, big quicks um, but yeah I think the I think the important part in, in Sri Lanka will be playing spin in that middle section of the game which we're going to have to try and really capitalise with that hard new ball in the power play. I think that's something we're going to have to try and emulate and, and really show some intent in those first six overs um, with, with those middle overs being probably a little bit tougher, a little bit of turn, slower, lower conditions. 
uh, and try and make the most out of that power play. So I think that's going to be an important part of the game. Um, a spin, absolutely. I think we're going to really do quite well. Uh, you know, looking last night at some of the, the options, some of the Sri Lankan batsmen are taking, you can understand why Mickey Arthur is pulling his hair out <laughs> half the time. What's left um, of it? Yeah, so it's, yeah, I think they have been struggling as a unit with some of their, you know, selection or, or um, shots, shots they're trying to trying to play at certain parts of the game, um, which has gotten them into some trouble early on. And they've had to sort of get some middle order or some, the tail to wag to try to get them over the line. But I think they are struggling a little bit at the moment. You know, India's side is far from their, their best side. Um, they obviously got a win last night and a tight one, but you know, I think South Africa should, if we if we really dominate the early stages of a game, we shouldn't have too many problems. But I think that's playing the spin is going to be a, a, a task we're going to have to do well. Andrew, anything to add? Oh, yeah, Sri Lanka definitely nowhere near as good as they used to be at the moment. They really are struggling a bit. Um, I, I think there should be three ODIs on that tour as well. That was the tour oh. that was... Um, Supposed to have taken place last year, but uh, was not played due. Yes. It was like in the proper lockdown period, pre-bubble period of mm, international mm. cricket, about this time last year. So I'm pretty sure there'll be three ODIs on that tour as well. That'll be in the for the Super League rankings. But yeah, I don't see many changes coming to the squads and things either. And Mickey Arthur's got less hair than me. <laughs> uh, I think it might be a race-off between me and Mickey. Uh, to be honest, I, I seem to remember both John and Paul still blessed with luxurious locks. And, uh, yeah, just, um, guys, it is, it's the final dress rehearsal for the Proteas before the T20 World Cup. Uh, Paul, what will they be wanting to achieve uh, from those matches uh, in Sri Lanka? And are, are the ODIs helpful uh, towards that cause as well, or are they just a distraction? Um, no, I don't think they're a distraction. I think any white ball cricket is good. I mean, I find it a little bit odd that there are early I games now, maybe play sort of five or six uh, T20s, but it is what it is, and you're getting white ball practice. So uh, not the end of the world. Uh, I'd like to see some sort of uh, consistency from uh, from the side. Um, you know, you go to a World Cup, you're probably going to have to win three, four games in a row, uh, generally, to, uh, to, to, to win it. Um, so I'd like to see some sort of consistency. You know, we, often, we have a game where we play really, really good cricket, and then a game where we fall asleep for five overs. We fall asleep for five overs. And um, I don't want to... Uh, I would like to see us a bit more, just a little bit more uh, consistent uh, um, in, in, in a few areas, like our death bowling, which we've mentioned, and every now and then with our batting. Uh, but otherwise, as I said before, I think that, uh, you know, if you'd asked me six months ago, would we have a, a chance? I'd say it would be very slim. Um, I think that uh, we've got as good a chance as most teams in the T20 World Cup to... To win it, um, maybe a good thing we're not going into the tournament as favourites this time. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, of course the ODIs, uh, World Cup qualifications, busy on the go. So I guess uh, teams do need to f- uh, fulfil those fixtures as well, uh, just for the 2023-50 over uh, w- World Cup. And uh, hooray for Pakistan and the West Indies because they're actually going to be playing a Test match. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, which is uh, which will be uh, fantastic to see, uh, John. Do the Proteas approach the series playing exactly the way that they want to play in the World Cup, um, with exactly the team that they're going to play in the World Cup, or is there still room for some sort of experimentation? 
I think what they'll do is what they do pretty much every series where they put out, you know, pretty much their, their top end uh, personnel to, to get involved and, and then the last game or two try and try and spread it out and give a few new guys like they did in, in the last game. Um, so I think they're going to go with much the much uh, of the same, I would say. Um, obviously, these conditions will be a bit more, you know, to what we're going to be expecting when it comes to the World Cup uh, subcontinent stuff. So, um, you know, obviously this tour now quite different, you know, a bit, bit, bit sticky, maybe a bit of sea movement early on. And, you know, that's not going to be anything like what we're going to be getting in Sri Lanka. So a good change and. Obviously, our best players are, are they are the best players because they can adjust to the conditions the quickest. So, you know, obviously, the great signs for us, I think, in particular with our two most dangerous batsmen, Decock, Miller, they're in some great form. So, just, yeah, we hope that that continues. And if that happens, we're going to have a great chance. Yeah, and I guess the good news is that uh, if the tour does happen at the end of August, uh, we should not run into interference from the IPL. We will still have uh, all our top players available because uh, the IPL scheduled to start in September. So, gentlemen, that uh, brings us to an end of this episode of the Dot Ball Pod- Podcast. Thanks uh, so much to Andrew, Paul, and uh, John for being with us. And uh, don't forget to subscribe and like us. Uh, you can also find us now on the supersport.com website. And uh, if you'd like to get hold of us, Uh, any questions or anything you'd like us to discuss on the show uh, please tweet me at at Ken Borland go well thanks very much and we will talk again uh, hopefully before the Sri Lanka series